0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: If you got things in your life that are adversarial to your progress in God, how does God want you to deal with them? Uh, he wants you to go to war with them. And we're going to learn what the end of that war needs to look like. Because some people babysit their, their issues. Some people have sin issues. They have areas where the enemy continues to use it to bring them down, to rip them off. They keep it around just enough so that when they get ready to fall again, there it is.
0: How do you handle problems and decisions? Do you tend to tackle them head on or do you need to sleep on it and deal with it in the morning? Well, Pastor Bill shares that in the area of sin, you need to be very direct and decisive. And he will share why this is an important approach in your relationship with God. You may start out with the best of intentions, like many did in the Bible. But you must continue to fight with God's help. Because if you don't, you may find yourself chasing things that are not of God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 31 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: All right, well, Numbers 31, it, it picks up kind of where chapter 25 ended. Now, let me explain. If you guys remember, in Numbers chapter 25, we had the situation with Balaam and Balak. Everybody remember that? Yes? If you don't, um, there was a man named Balak, and he he saw how that God was blessing the children of Israel. They were winning battles uh, with everyone that would come against them, and he said, before they come against me, I want to be proactive i'm going to pronounce a curse upon those people so he went and got this phony baloney prophet for hire named balaam and um, balaam came out and balaam was actually willing for honor and money to, to pronounce a curse on the children of israel the problem was every time he went to pronounce a curse what happened he blessed them. blessings came out god wouldn't have it And um, I love that God just wouldn't let it be. You're not going to curse my kids. And so he couldn't do it. And through the counsel, though, so when it was all said and done and Balaam, you know, he couldn't curse him. It says in Jude uh, verse 11 that it says that it was through the counsel of Balaam that he caused Israel to stumble in sexual immorality and idolatry. And this is what the counsel of Balaam was. Balaam's counsel to Balak was, you know what? We can't. I can't curse him. They're blessed of God, but I know how to bring them into disfavor with their God because he's holy. And he said, you send these little Midianite women down and let them go into the tents with the men. And, you know, they'll fornicate, they'll, they'll commit sexual immorality and the Midianite women will eventually seduce them into worshiping their foreign gods. And that will bring them into disfavor with God. And that's exactly what happened. And thousands died. Um, God, let a plague come upon them and they were dying by the thousands and finally if you guys remember one of the guys was bold enough to stroll up while people were mourning and wailing the death of so many people he strolled up with his little midnight honey everybody remember that part and he went on back to his tent and one of the men went back and thrust them both through with a spear a javelin and that stopped the plague so Now chapter 31 picks up there. So we had a lot of things happen in the other verses, chapters, but that's kind of where we're picking up at. So now let's look at numbers 31 verses uh, one and two says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. And afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. And I thought this was interesting because God, first of all, God says, I I want to take vengeance on the Midianites for what they did. They're going to pay for what they did. And God tells Moses, I want you to do it. I want you to be the instrument through whom I judge them. Now, us New Testament saints know this. Are you to be the instrument of judgment upon other people? Are you to bring vengeance upon people yourself? Everybody here? Everybody say it loud. No. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That's New Testament. Back here, God said, on this occasion, Moses, I want you to go and get them. Now, God can judge you and me however he wants. In the Old Testament, many times, God would even use pagan nations to judge or to spank his disobedient kids. And so, in this instance, God says, Moses, I want you to get vengeance, but I want you to, well, we'll come to that in just a minute. So, God tells Moses, I want you to go and take vengeance on the Midianites of the children for the children of Israel. And then God says, afterward, you're going to be gathered to your people. So, Moses had already been told earlier that he would get to come to the brink of the promised land. He wouldn't get to go in. Then he was going to die. Now Moses gets told, before you die, I got one last assignment. One, one more war before you die. And that's a reminder to you and me that we're going to have war until we die, until we get to heaven. And I know some people think, you know, if I gave my life to the Lord, I just was looking forward it to get easy. And I'm so sorry if you were misled to believe that giving your life to Christ was going to make everything go well and it was all going to be great. And This is what happens when you give your life to the Lord. Your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven when you die, and you have a relationship with the living God who when you go through, because you will, he'll be there to comfort you and help you through it. Nowhere in the Bible does it even suggest that if you come to Christ, everything's going to go swell. Never going to have another problem. That's not true. So there are people that preach the gospel like that and people that believe like that, they get, they get disappointed real quick. And those will be the people that are saying, I tried, got, I gave my life to God. I was going to church and, then, and I lost my job. You know, God let me down. And so we don't want to uh, fall victim to that. So God says, Moses, I, I got one more battle for you. I want you to go fight these Midianites. Um, now, this is important because God had already judged Israel for their sin. If you guys remember, when they sin with these women, God judged them right away. Now, in chapter 31, a little while later, God says, now I'm going to deal with the cause. I'm going to deal with those who brought this upon you guys. And a couple things. There's a, if you're writing notes, I want you to write down a couple verses. Write down 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. And I'm going to read it to us real quick. 1 Peter 4, 17 says this. It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first... What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And so God dealt with his kids first. And they've been dealt with. They've been spanked already. Then God said, no, the many nice. ain't getting away with it. I'm coming for them too. And so we need to be reminded of that, that God will first deal with his own. Um, but some of us that are looking at injustices around the world and things that look like they're going wrong and things that sometimes it looks like the wicked are, are getting away with it, but the wicked don't ever get away with it. No one gets away with it. Everybody one day got to stand before the Lord. Amen. And so we got to be careful about looking around and thinking that, man, it looks like they're getting away with it. They're not. No one gets away with anything. Everyone has to deal with him eventually. They got to stand before the Lord. So um, God tells them, I want you to go destroy the Midianites. Look at verses three through five. It says, so Moses spoke to the people saying, arm, arm some of yourselves for war. And let us go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel, 1,000 from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. Now there's something kind of interesting here. And if you look at it again, in verse 2, God tells Moses, take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. And then in verse 3, he says let them go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord. So which one is it? Is he taking vengeance for Israel or is he taking vengeance for the Lord? And this is what I would point out to us, that God is so so bound up in his people that it's, God is, in one breath, God says, we're taking vengeance for what happened to Israel. and the next breath, God says, we're taking vengeance on what they did to me. And God is saying, that's how I'm wrapped up with my people. Um, in the New Testament, um, if you guys remember when Saul was persecuting the church and the Lord spoke to Saul and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting who? He said, me. Wait a minute. Well, Paul was persecuting the church. You persecute them, you persecute me. You persecuting me, man. Why? How come you're persecuting me? Uh, in another place, Jesus said, if you give a drink to one of these little ones, you've done it to me. And, and, and I want you to know that God is bound up in us like that. Everybody here that's a parent, right? If you're a parent and you have a child that you love, if I do something wrong to your kid, I might as well have done it to you, right? Parents agree? Y'all will be looking at me sideways. If I, if I go do something wrong to your kid, I just offended you, bad. Now, if I bless your kid, I bless you. I feel the same way. I got kids, if somebody do my kids wrong, how you going, you can't be my friend and do my kid wrong, we not cool. You know, they, I'm bound up in them. Uh, I just want us to understand that that's how God views his kids. Um, That he cares about us. He cares about what goes on around us. And he's bound up. We're we're linked up like that. And God would say, if it's done to you, it's done to him. And so um, I just thought that was interesting how in one breath he said, take vengeance on Israel. For Israel, then take vengeance for me. It's because he sees himself as one and the same, wrapped up with his people. And and I'm glad to be wrapped up like that with the Lord, that, that we're bound up together in that way. Um, also, uh, as Moses gets this one last assignment, um, you know, I don't know how he feels about going to battle, going to war, but God says, this is what you get to do. Before you die, you're going to go take out this. group. You're going you're to put in order the war that's going to take out the enemies. And even though we don't fight wars like the Old Testament did, we don't go fight against the Midianites or the Jebusites or whoever, our battle is different. We have a spiritual battle just the same and we're going to see in this chapter, right, if you've got spiritual adversary, if you've got things in your life that are adversarial to your progress in God, how does God want you to deal with them? Uh, he wants you to go to war with them. And we're going to learn what the end of that war needs to look like. Because some people babysit their, their issues. Some people have sin issues, They have areas where the enemy continues to use it to bring them down, to rip them off. They keep it around just enough so that when they get ready to fall again, there it is. And we're going to learn a lesson about how to deal with everything that is adversarial to our progress in the Lord. Um, It's to be dealt with pretty ruthlessly. So now look at verses 6 through 11. It says, Then Moses sent them... To the war one thousand from each tribe he sent them to the war with phineas the son of Eleazar the priest i, I want to remind you that phineas is the one when he saw that man with his midianite honey walk up and go back to their tent phineas was the one that went through and thrust them through and said "That that ain't happening i'm, I'm putting it into this so interesting that he gets to be one of the ones that gets to go out to go to go to battle So Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, um, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand, and they warred against the Midianite just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the king of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi, Rakhim, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed the sword. Just want to point out that Balaam, who sold out the Lord, got killed. So whatever he got for selling out the Lord and his people, he ain't get to enjoy it very long because he's dead now. Verse 9, I'll come back to that. Verse 9, and the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive with their little ones. They took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their goods. They also burned with fire all the cities where they dwelt and all their forts. And they took all the spoil and all the booty and, uh, I'm sorry, of man and beast. And so they go out to war, they go out. So first off in verse six, we got Phineas. Um, He was the one who brought the judgment to an end as he thrust them through with the javelin. And so God, God lets him go back out. He's been proven faithful in what he does. Um, In verse eight, we pointed out that Balaam, who sold out the Lord and the Lord's people, for the hope of honor and stuff, died before he had a chance to really enjoy any of it. And uh, I was thinking of that, I was like, you you know who else sold out the Lord and didn't get to enjoy it? Judas. Judas, yeah. He sold out the Lord and then he went crazy and got demon possessed and killed himself and died and didn't enjoy none of that money. He threw it down and boom, there it went. And so I just would point this out, right? Anybody that would be tempted And I'm going to explain what I mean by selling out the Lord. Um, You know, what Balaam did was, was very wicked in that he was willing to, in hopes of gaining something for himself, willing to go against God. And we might not do it that overtly, but there might be things that you want bad enough that in order to have that, I'll go against God. In order to have that much more money, I'll go against God's word that says I should tell the truth. In order to have this relationship that I want, I'm going to go against God's word that says I shouldn't be unequally yoked. In order to have whatever, that's the, so I would just question all of us, is there any area in your life where you would say, I think I'm selling out the Lord in this area. In order to gain this for myself, I'm going against God over here. And if there's any area where you're selling out God for something for yourself, know that you won't get to really enjoy it. Know that that it won't be be long enjoyed. It's going to come with a price tag. It'd be better to repent of it. Don't ever sell the Lord out. There's no upside. You never win when you disobey the Lord to have something. And I've learned this over the years. Anything that God wants me to have, I don't have to sin against him to get it. Everything that God has for me, I'm able to walk in integrity and receive it. And if walking in integrity doesn't allow me to have it, then it's not for me. It's, it's, not, it's not what God has for me. But there's nothing God has for me that I have to deceive, lie, or sin in order to attain it. And so, um, Balaam sold out the Lord, but he didn't get to enjoy it whatsoever. And so, um, if you're writing notes, uh, you can write down Jude, verse 11, and I'll read it to you real quick. It says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. And once again, Balaam, the era of Balaam was, he was his goal was profit. And for profit, he was willing to do whatever. Uh, we do live in a very greedy society where um, it looks like in order for us to make it, to have, we gotta have a certain kind of car and a certain kind of outfits and women gotta have a certain kind of purse and a certain kind of glasses. And if you fall into that junk, Uh, which I hope we don't, Uh, it's a trap. You start wanting and wanting, your eyes, you'll just never, you know people that want like that are never satisfied, never satisfied, because there's always more than you can attain. There's always more to have than what you can get. But when you find yourself satisfied in the Lord with whatever you got, I'm just satisfied in the Lord, there's great peace in just being content where you are and what God's given you. And so be careful about letting the world in which you live and I live Stumble you into being greedy for stuff. It's a trap. And so another thing is, and I, I thought this was interesting about uh Balaam. Back in Numbers 23, verse 10, I want you to notice something Balaam said, and I will show you what happened. Balaam said this in Numbers 23:10. It says, Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. And let my end be like his. So he wanted something really, he said, man, look at Jacob. Look at, I mean, he looked at Jacob and said, man, who who can count the dust of Jacob? Nobody. It's innumerable. What God has done with him is amazing. And he said, let me die the death of the wicked. I'm I'm sorry, let me die the death of the righteous, I'm sorry, and let my end be like his. Here goes a problem with Balaam, right? Balaam wanted righteous results. But he, but he was only willing to put forth wicked input. And there are people like that today, that they want the outcome that would come from a life of integrity and holiness. Not putting forth that effort. It'd be like someone that they want, they want rave results in the gym and, but they're not putting in the effort, be it in the gym or in the kitchen or elsewhere. They just want the result, you won't get them. And so even though what Balaam stated that he wanted was good. He was really saying in that, like, man, I really honor Jacob, and I look at what God did with him, and I want that. I want to die like the righteous I want to end I want my end to be like this, but he didn 't live in such a way that his end could be like that, rather than dying the death of the righteous, he died the death of the wicked, surrounded by the wicked, um, and he died because of his wickedness. none of what he wanted happened, and so in order for us to prevent that sort of end for us wanting a good thing but resulting getting a bad thing we got to be careful that there's no way to get around the fact that what we sow we will reap. Balaam sowed and reaped accordingly And there's no way to get around that and so if you look and say god i want my life to be blessed of you i want my life to be rich in spiritual things i want my i want there to be a holiness to my life i want there to be a a depth to me god when my, my life is over i want it to have meant something then now is the time to sow that kind of behavior that kind of life live a life that will result in that sow to the spirit and of the spirit reap everlasting life instead of don't sow to the flesh and of the flesh reap corruption make sure that you're sowing in such a way that that's what you're going to reap. That's going to be the end result. That's what's going to be the the end result of what you put in and sowed in all these years. I had a, a friend of mine in high school who he was he was an all right you know basketball. We played at the park. He wasn't a standout basketball player in junior high or elementary. He was just average, maybe. He was a Michael Jordan fan. His dream was to. You know, be this amazing basketball player, and he worked and worked. I mean, he just he believed it and wanted it so bad that he just. I mean, he always had a basketball. He's walking down the street, always dribbling basketball. And I remember by the time we got to about tenth grade high school, I played football, and I would go to the basketball games during basketball season. I remember going to basketball season and watching him, and I was like, wow, like he was amazing at tenth grade. And as I look back and it was like, because that was what he, he just sold and sold. He practiced and worked and worked and worked. And then at a point in his life, it started to result in something. And it took him to college and it paid for school. You know, I, I bumped into him at Darby Park, his son. He's got a son BJ's age and he's coaching up, you know, to play ball like, like he did. But I look back and I think, wow, he didn't make it on, on giftedness. He wasn't like, it wasn't like he was just naturally talented. He just worked and worked and worked and worked and, worked and eventually it paid off. Something came out of it. Um, now, that's for something as temporal as a sport, but spiritual things, right? We can sow to the spirit. We can, we can spend the time in the word to become a better tool for God in God's hands, that you spent so much time with the Lord in the word, living it, studying it, sowing it in that, that you become a tool, a resource that God can bring people to you that need to hear what he's been sowing into you all this time, and now you're a tool and a resource to the Lord. Some of us give ourselves to some area of service and to where we're good at it. And now we're a resource to the body that now I'm able to bring this. I don't just come; I come and I have this to offer. Whenever the body gathers together, um, what we sow will become. And in just the same way that Balaam did in a negative way, sow carnal things and reap death. Um, we can flip that thing right back around, and we can sow to the spirit, sow spiritual things, and the end result, we'll reap spiritual things, and that's what we want. Amen. So. Here's a, a gospel nugget. Now, I got to speak on this because it is kind of controversial. Some people will look at a section of scripture like this and say, I don't understand why God would do that. Anybody here feel that way? As you look at all, God's basically saying, go kill everybody. Anybody here struggle with that? Anybody have a hard time? You, 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 no? Everybody, everybody, y'all good with that? Y'all understand? Okay. There are people that have a hard time believing that a God of love, why he would do that? Why, why would God say, wipe them all? Everybody? Everybody? Everybody got to die. God says, go to the Midianites, and I want them, I want you to kill them all. I want you to wipe them out. Um, and they did pretty close to what they were supposed to do, but I want you to note where they fell short. They went in. It says that they killed the men. They killed the kings. They killed all the men of war. They, verse 9 is where they kind of mess up. It says, and the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive. If you didn't catch that, what that meant was, they killed all the men and they kept the women. We're gonna keep them, Woohoo! We keep all the women. They kept the women captive and their little ones, so the women and the, and the babies, the women with their babies, and they took all the spoil and the cattle and the flocks and the goods, and they burned with fire all the cities and everything else. Um, and they says, they, verse 11 says they took all the spoil and all the booty of man and beast. And booty was not a word that we use in this way anymore. But it, it, it means, you know, it means like it's the reward. It's the spoils of war. So we done messed up booty. It means something totally different. So I don't want y'all judging me. It's in the Bible. So, so here we go, right? What was wrong with what they did? Um, they didn't kill the women and kids. They brought them back. Was that wrong? Is that a problem? Anybody see a problem with that? How come, how come the judgment came upon them in the first place? The women. The men didn't, they killed all the men for war. The women, the men didn't go into the tents. I don't want to say, can I say skanky at church? Is that bad? It was a little, it was those women that they said, y'all go down into the tents and you seduce the men and get them to fornicate with you and then get them to worship your God. They did that mess.
0: You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true and looking out for his chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A transforming word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit calvaryenglewood.org. Again, that website is calvaryenglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.